us as well. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. And we do come here and tonight we choose to worship you, God, because you are so deserving of our praise and our honour. This is why we're, we walk the earth. This is why we live, God. We want to be pleasing to you in everything. Father God, we just pray that you would be softening our hearts and uh, that our minds might be attentive, Lord, that we might hear um, from you and hear your word spoken to us tonight, that we might long to live and put things into practice so that you'd be more and more glorified. Father God, we uh, lift up to you um, tonight and just um, in this kind of sad time, Lord, the Dees family, and we just pray, really pray, Lord, that um, you'd be a real tower of strength around them, that you'd be bringing them peace, Lord. Um, we pray for Neil and for Rhiannon and for Gemma and Braden, Lord, and the immediate family. We just pray that you'd be with them, God. Please, Lord, um, uh, be a tangible, peaceful presence in their life right now. Father God, as they uh, just ask questions and, uh, and just grieve, Lord, that you'd be with them. We really pray this, Lord God, Lord, that they might know that you are faithful and just. And uh, we also give you thanks for, for Lisa's life, Lord. What a wonderful lady. What a lo- wonderful woman who's just impacted so many of us here. And Lord, we pray that uh, we give you thanks for her life. And we thank you so much that she's right now with you in paradise for all eternity. Father God, be with us now as we continue to worship you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Mark's going to here. That's quite disturbing. Father God, we just um, uh, really long, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight through your word. Father God, please um, help us have hearts that are open and minds that are alert, Lord. And Father God, where things are not of you, Lord, uh, may they not be heard. May they just fall to the ground. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Well, I was single for 26 years before I got married to Michelle. I had uh, the odd girlfriend, but on the whole, I was single. Would have liked to have had Michelle a few years earlier, somebody to, to love and to hold and all that kind of thing, but no, pretty much single for 26 years. And in my years of being single, um, being a single guy, I, I came to develop certain kinds, certain ways of living. I mean, the odds were on even from a young age uh, that I would develop certain male uh, ways of doing things. I mean, my sister, she was overpowered one to three. And then when I eventually moved out of home um, to study at uni, I found myself living with blokes who were also single and were also developing certain ways of living. It was a single life. It was a single bloke's life. And it was in this life that I came to develop certain freedoms. Certain freedoms that now, in my new life as a married man, I can't enjoy with as much freedom. Let me not talk about the freedoms of bodily functions, lest we offend those with proper sensibilities. Suffice it to say that I never had stomach cramps for holding anything in. Let me just talk about my staple diet, sausages. (laughs) As a single guy, I used to eat countless sausages. I used to buy them in bulk, wrap them into four kind of 
parcels, if you like, and freeze them. And then I'd pull them out, defrost them, and fry them at will in fours. I'd eat them for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or whatever. They're an underrated food. <laughs> they are, truly. I don't think they've, I'm not sure if they've got any meat in them, okay? But they've certainly got enough oil and fat to keep any carnivorous single bloke happy. I used to love sausages, but now I don't see them that often anymore. <laughs> I seem to be eating a lot of chicken that's healthy and lean, apparently. And let me talk about something else. Let me talk about the dishes. There was a time in my single days that my housemates and I were without dishes, I reckon, for a good week. And we were forced to eat pizza for dinner and breakfast. No one wants to do the dishes after the meal's eaten, let alone a day or two or three or a week after the food has kind of like become part of the plate or the knife or fork. Now I've got by as a single guy, but since I've been married, the old single life is but a memory. Every now and then Michelle finds a habit that remains of the old single life and she sets to work trying to get rid of it. But believe me, there are a few things that I won't part with. Some things are worth fighting for, and especially that pain-free stomach. <laughs> Much to Michelle's disgust. It's a good life. Don't lose it, guys. That's, that's the message for tonight. Thanks very much. <laughs> no. According to Michelle, I'm a married man now. I'm a married man. That's my new life. The old habits of the old single life have got to go. Well, tonight we continue on in our series in Ephesians, and the passage deals with this very issue. Not the, this single kind of issue. It's the issue, though, of leaving behind habits of the old life. Leaving behind habits of the old life and not bringing them to the new life. Not the old single life, but another kind of life. The old life before we gave our lives to Christ. Now, if you've got your Bibles, um, just ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And it'd be great to, uh, to keep them open. If you haven't got them, just recommend every time you come to church, bring them along. Ephesians 4, and we're going to read from verse 17 to 24. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In the first three verses, Paul's telling us of a kind of thinking, um, the kind of thinking a person has 
who doesn't know Jesus. And this way, and the way that this kind of thinking actually forms the way that you live. They are living, in a sense, exactly what they're thinking. See what verse 17 says. It says, You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. These Gentiles, they're living in accordance to how they're thinking, these non-Christians. Do you see how closely thinking and living are tied together? The way they think, what their mind is set on, what they perhaps believe in their head is shaping exactly how they live. And unfortunately for the believer, we hear here that their thinking is not right thinking. Their thinking is not leading them closer to God. No, their thinking is futile. And futile, that's a, that's a strong word. Something that's futile is unable to produce any result. We might call something that's futile ineffective or vain or useless. Verse 18 tells us how they've come to this futile thinking. It says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This verse shows us the steps to developing futile thinking. If your hearts are hard and calloused toward God, that is, you know, you're insensitive, you can't kind of feel God's love anymore. If you're in this way separated from God, you'll of course be deprived of his wisdom and understanding that can only come from God. So if you're um, over here far from God, you'll be ignorant of his ways. If you're far from God, God's light of his understanding, the light of his wisdom, if you're far from that, you'll be darkened in your understanding. So unbelievers are futile in their thinking because of their hardness toward God. And please, I'll see now how this futile thinking goes hand in hand with futile living. Verse 19 says, Having lost all sensitivity, that's because they're calloused and hard and they can't feel God. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Now, being hardened to God, losing all sensitivity to his ways, to right thinking, has led these people to a futile way of life. And that relates to giving themselves over to sensuality. Please notice it's not a merely a partaking uh, of something that pleases your physical senses. No, it talks of completely like giving yourself to it, handing your life over to it. And this is for the purpose so that you can indulge in impure things. It's kind of interesting, you see, where the believer is, um, believers have actually given their lives to Jesus, given their lives to him. The unbeliever have given themselves over to sensuality. Now, I reckon on the, on the experiential level, this makes like good sense. It makes sense to me. I mean, if you haven't got a spiritual connection to God, if you haven't got God in your lives, what else really is there to live for? 
Not, now, not every unbeliever is going on some crazy, indulgent sensuality spree, trying to get as much pleasure as possible. But if God doesn't shape your life, if God doesn't instill values into your life, morals into your life, surely the natural place away from God's spirituality is just wanting the physical pleasures that life offers. For example, if you don't have a relationship with God, why not just give yourself over to food? Food's great, isn't it? Just enjoy food. Make that your life, just to enjoy the pleasure of food. Or maybe without God, it's like, just enjoy sex. I mean, that's great. Enjoy it. Like, just have as much as you can get, physical pleasures. Maybe it's give yourself to alcohol, because that's great. You know, there's a great pleasure in, in alcohol losing yourself. You know, forget about the weak. Maybe give yourself over to that. If you've got no relationship with God, why don't you give yourself to wealth? Give yourself to just uh, doing recreation, adrenaline sports to bring you pleasure. Why wouldn't you do that? Surely that's the natural place if uh, you're not informed by God. Please your physical senses. Now, this is what kind of living those who don't know God have because their thinking is futile. And the core reason, the core reason why it's futile is because the thinking, the living, it doesn't get you any closer to God. It doesn't lead you to Him. And without the purpose of drawing close to God, you haven't really got any deep, significant purpose. Life and thinking is futile. Now, at the risk of some of us thinking to ourselves that this doesn't really relate to me, I'm a believer. Paul is saying that there were some believers who were living this way. Some of the believers were living uh, the way they used to live before they gave their lives to Christ. So Paul says in verse 17, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles, uh, as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, Isn't this our problem too at times? Aren't there some of us here tonight who are living in this kind of futile thinking? Living to indulge sensual pleasures. As if you don't know what's right. As if you are living in ignorance. So Paul is saying to us, stop living this way. We've been saved by Christ to live a different way. So don't justify living as you used to live before you were a Christian. Now, let me tell you a sad but true story about myself and justifying living the old life. When I was, I think, somewhere in the age range of 17 to 21, I devised for myself an evangelism strategy. A strategy that I would uh, take so that I could tell people about God and the relationship he wants to have with us. The strategy was focused at the party events and the times my friends had a few too many drinks. And what I would do was I would drink alongside them because my theory was, hey, they're heaps relaxed. They're like really open to the things of God. But because I was a pretty full-on evangelist, you know, I'd take it to the extreme, I used to not just stop at a couple of drinks. No, I'd just 
keep drinking and drinking until I was quite hammered off my head. Get into these inebriated debates about God, trying to convince my mates that they needed Jesus. And, I mean, it's a nice strategy, hey? Like, those guys, they would have remembered it crystal in the morning, you know? I've one word for myself, and that's justification. Somehow, in my little brain, I justified that this was an all right thing to do. Surely. Surely, I'm, try- I'm trying to share the gospel. So it's all right if I get drunk while I do it. When you're going to hear about Jesus, I can get drunk. At some point, I needed to stop. And I took responsibility for what I was doing. And I started listening to the passages from the Bible that say, don't get drunk. Maybe it's not alcohol for you. Maybe it is for you. Maybe it's something else. Futile thinking leads to futile living. Paul says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Don't live as the Gentiles do anymore. So the challenge is being put to us, leave the old ways behind. And now we turn to the alternative for the believer. How those who follow Christ are urged to live as a result of their newfound wisdom, to live as a result of their newfound wisdom compared with their previous ignorance. Please uh, look with me again uh, from verse 20. It says, You, however, do not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Those who have come to give their lives to following Jesus have been taught about the truth of Jesus. There was a time when we were ignorant, when we didn't know about salvation in Jesus. There was a time when we had futile thinking. But now, those who put their trust in Jesus and have heard of him and have been taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. What is basically being said is that those who know Christ and read his word and are learning about him, what it is to live a way that pleases God, can no longer plead ignorance. You can't, we can't plead ignorance about the right way to live. Now, of course, in the building tonight, uh, we're a whole, got a whole lot of different people, probably different stages of maturity and faith. Some of us might have just begun the walk with Jesus, and so a bit like infants in the faith. Others might be, have been travelling with Jesus for lots of their life and just living for him. So this might mean that some of us are indeed in need to be taught more about what it is to live for Jesus. But I'd guess that most of us, if we've been following Jesus for a, a couple of years, we've been taught a great deal. We've been taught a great deal about what it means to live for Jesus. And so we can no longer plead ignorance. Now, at this point, I just want to encourage us uh, to take responsibility for our lives. Now, you might do this very well, but just in case you don't, I want to encourage you to grow to maturity. And essential to growing is taking responsibility for your life, for your actions. At some point, we need to stop making excuses, basically. Stop making excuses for our behaviour, even blaming other people for what we do. 
Well, the passage goes on and what is it we're supposed to know about living? And what is it we're supposed to no longer be ignorant about? Well, verse 22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We've been taught, or perhaps for the first time tonight, we're being taught to put off the old self and to put on the new self. The old self, the old way of life, the take-off, it's the life marked by the futile thinking. The old self that will not lead us closer to God. And while people who uh, live for physical pleasures feel like they've got great purpose and life's fun and exciting and full of good times, the reality is that life is not full of rich purpose. Verse 22 says that the old self has been corrupted by its deceitful desires. The new self or the new way of life we're told to put on is created to be like God. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Where the old self is being corrupted by deceitful desires, the new self is created to be like God in true righteousness. It's a great comparison. We've got truth, righteousness, rightness compared with deceit. We've got creation compared with corruption. Now, as a follower of Christ... We really only have one option when it comes to living this life. And that's to daily choose to follow Jesus. To daily choose to live for him, to live this new life and to leave the old life behind. And uh, as I was preparing the message, I was trying to find a way of expressing how good it is to choose a new life. You know, like kind of give us all great motivation for the rewards. That if we do this, it'll be great. And then I thought doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how good or how bad, how hard or how easy it is to live this new life of Jesus. You see, when we gave our lives to Jesus, we acknowledged that we needed forgiveness. At the moment we gave our lives to Jesus, we turned from living for ourselves. We repented of the old way of life because God convicted us by spirit, that we were created to live for him, to live a life that pleases our beautiful, our holy, our righteous God, not just to live to please ourselves. Do you hear it? It's like, that's what we have to do. God's God, live for him. Let's put on new self, people. Let's choose this day. Let's take responsibility for our own life and leave the old life behind. Paul is um, having a crack at those people who would choose to continue with the old life despite being made new in Christ. It's kind of like um, we've been wearing these old clothes and for the last year we've been wearing these clothes and some of you might have been wearing these clothes like this way. We haven't taken them off. We haven't washed them. These clothes are almost falling off us and they stink. They really stink Badly, kind of gets an imagination, creative juices flowing. And through faith in Jesus, we're given brand new clothes. Okay, so if you like dressing up, imagine it's formal wear. You guys look fantastic. Ladies, you're wearing this gorgeous evening gown. 
Evening dress. I don't know what they call that. Yeah, you look great, by the way. Gents, you've got this suit on, you know, and it's just a schmicko suit. Lovely tie, nice shirt. Probably feels bad and half you don't like wearing it, but you look great, you know. It's like through faith in Jesus, we're given these amazing clothes. We look fantastic. And yet, we continue to wear these manky, stinky, like runners. You know, we wear these festy shoes. And you know the image, the smell is like permeating your whole outfit. It's happened to some of you, even when they look nice, those shoes. Get some new ones, guys. It's just corrupting our whole get-up. Now, if you're truly unsure of, about certain parts of your life, what is, what is the old self, you know, what is the new self, then there's really one remedy. And the remedy for ignorance is to be taught, is to be taught in truth, in Christ. You know, and we've got loads of ways here that we want to encourage people to be taught in the truth in Christ. You know, to come weekly to church, to a Sunday meeting, to join a small group and attend weekly, you know, to daily read God's word, to daily pray to him. So even then, when you find out what it is that's a bit dodgy, to kind of set your mind to it and ask God to help you to take action to stop doing those things. Now, I don't want to pressure anyone here to do these things. I just want to encourage us and say that if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you'll put yourself in these kinds of places so that you can grow. I just want to encourage everyone to do that. When you do these things, you're in the best possible place to grow in Christ. You must, you must, not me, not someone sitting next to you. I must take personal responsibility. And as you do this, as you take action, God's Holy Spirit will transform your thinking. You'll change the attitude of your mind. You'll start tweaking your thinking and you'll start thinking the way God wants you to. Let's put on a new self, people. Let's choose this day. Let's take responsibility for our own life. Now, I've got a question for each one of us here tonight. And the question is, how are we tracking? You know, we've just looked at a passage where God's telling us to no longer live as we used to live, but instead to live the new life. People, how are we tracking? How are you going? Do you, do I, do we still do things, even though we've been taught what Christ would have us do? Are you still living for sensual pleasures? Because if you are, tonight the message to you is stop it. Stop doing it. Choose this day to put off the old self and to put on the new self. There's no soft way of engaging with this truth. Now, I used to spiritualise a lot of things, I think. I used to pray about it, which is recommended fully, but I used to pray about it and kind of leave the action to God. Say, oh God, help me do this, help me do this. But there was no action. There was no part of me saying, I'm going to stop it today. I kind of just prayed about it. Take action. Now, if you're confused and, like I said before, you're not sure, seek another believer's advice, read the Bible, ask God about it. But don't, don't plead ignorance when you're not ignorant. 
how we're tracking with putting the old life down. Um, I just want to encourage us to hit the context of the challenge that Paul gives, because it's not soft, really, is it? Um, the context is this. The challenge is not being put to an unbeliever. But the challenge is being put to those who trust in Jesus. The challenge is being put here to those people who have a perfect relationship with God. Do you hear that? So if you're here tonight and you trust in Jesus, you've got a perfect relationship with God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross when you trust in him. So the challenge to stop living the old way of life, it's not a matter. It's not a matter of salvation. So it's not like we should start worrying, does God really love me? Am I, am I saved still? If I was to die today, would I go to heaven? Because the answer for you is, yes, you will, if you trust in Jesus. Praise God, eh? Praise God. Praise God for God's mercy and his salvation in Jesus Christ. Like We can rest easy on that account. Because nothing, and I mean nothing, can separate you and I from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. We really take that in. It's not a matter of salvation, but it is a matter of maturity. So you can be a believer, you can still be a believer and do these things, but it just makes you an infant in the faith. It makes you a mere baby or child that's still kind of growing. That's, that's what it makes you. That's what it makes me if we're like this. So the context of the challenge is that we would put the old life down, we'd leave it behind us, and therefore we'd grow toward maturity of faith. Now, this is a, a slow process, this growth to maturity. But if you're not putting the old life down, you ain't growing. You might grow in knowledge of the Bible. Don't kid yourself. If you're not putting the old life behind, you are not growing in maturity. How are we doing? Paul wants us to grow from infants to adults in the faith. What is it that you need to kind of leave behind to get on track? What do you need to leave? What part of the old life do you need to leave behind? What's God's spirit challenging you with now? What do you need to learn maybe so that you know what you should leave behind? So that you can grow closer to God, so that you can grow in maturity of faith. Let me close. People, we have a purpose as believers and that is to think and live lives that bring glory to God, not futile lives. And we do this because we're so overwhelmingly thankful for God and his mercy to us. We want to live for God. We want to become more like Christ. We want to grow to maturity as a response to his great love for us. So please don't leave here tonight feeling guilty and condemned for stuff you haven't dealt with yet. Just because you might be thinking you're still in sin. Rather, Think about God's love. Think about his mercy for you and Jesus. Just dwell on the fact that he's saved you, that he's redeemed you, that he's separated your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. And when you know that, when you think about that, just praise God and choose to respond with a life that leaves the old one behind. And so that God would be pleased and he'd be glorified. Let's pray, eh? Father God, we praise you and, uh, for your word, your word that just longs for us to leave the old life behind, 
Lord, that leave the old life behind that we might um, grow to be more like you, Jesus, to grow in maturity, that you might be pleased and that we might actually fully enjoy life the way you intended it to be enjoyed. Father God, would you convict us of areas that we still um, are given over to, convict us of areas that we just are compromising on. And Father God, that we might know your love and just choose to live for you. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen.